Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Amen. He was given a name above every name. Thank God we know His name and we can take His name. He said, if you ask anything in my name... I will do it. And one of the things I I would like to say, our church is not special. God is special. But in his great and infinite mercy 10 years ago, he spoke to this pastor and he said, you pray and I'll work. You give me time every morning. And as you know, we devote ourselves to our Epiphras ministry. You're all welcome to come in, poke in when you can. Maybe you have a day off and you'd like to come. You're all welcome But all we do is intercede. We pray from 7 to 9.30, Monday through Friday. It was really out of real need because we just needed him to do things for us. And you know what? He did them. Yeah. I remember a sister in that morning prayer many years ago, probably around the fifth prayer. She said something we didn't see yet, but she said, God shows me because of this prayer, this church is going to be a house of healing, spiritual healing physical healing. And then the Lord said through her, but the thing that is going to be very prevalent and very important to this assembly is my love in the midst. And so folks, we're on a tremendous journey. Things I never thought I would see. And to be perfectly honest with you, often I've talked about the mentors I had which were very godly Really, really, very strong of the Lord. And yet in that generation and in the places I was, I didn't see what we're seeing. It's kind of nice that God can do new things. And so you all know Ken May here healed of terminal cancer. You saw them last week. Mike Radcliffe, given up to die, came to ask me to do his funeral. And came up to the front and said I was healed in that spot by the power of God. We had a minister who had had cancer in her body. It was a woman. And she had another reoccurrence of a lump. And she asked us to pray. My wife prayed for her. She went home. She called us. Strangely, it's not cancer. We had a pastor here who had a serious condition in his body where his foot had constant pain, trouble walking. After prayer, he told us he's completely healed. Folks, when you bring people here, you're bringing them to Jesus, not to Pastor Mike or Pastor Donna, because he's healer. But when you bring people into this place, it's not just every ordinary church. Now, I love every church and I love every pastor. And my advice to every pastor is get to prayer. God knows how to do it, what what he does. But we pray, and you pray with us. And God has been doing phenomenal things. Things I really never thought we would see. And I'm saying this because I think we need to appreciate and value what God is doing and walk very softly humbly and continue in prayer. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. 
And so I want to encourage you to be bringers and invite people to come, experience what God is doing. I promise you they'll be loved and we'll preach the gospel here. We'll do it in a, a loving way, but the truth sets free. Do you agree with me? And also you have this invitation card to the night of Christmas music. Let's fill this place. We have three nights. John Gordon has already had 1,500 hits. We usually get about half of how many we have, so already we're probably going to have around 700 people in this house. But you know, as you come and you worship, just as we did this morning, wasn't it wonderful God responds to our worship? We're worshiping him, but he inhabits the praises of his people. So we lift our hands, we begin to praise him, and he comes. And so as you're with us in these nights of worship, you're going to help God's presence and purpose over those gatherings. And as the musicians sing, the anointing will come down as we worship God and lift him up. He will draw all men unto him. Now, I have a few words to say about my observations about Christmas that are not really my sermon, but kind of a precursor, kind of an introduction, all right? Because I'm going to say some things that might not be popular, all right? The secular world is greatly influencing our society. And the prince of the power of the air that has a lot to influencing our society is really very anti-Christ. I have a little ring in my voice. Give me a deep voice. <laughs> Praise God. And so some of the things that have changed since I've been a boy is, do you remember, how many remember Easter vacation? The schools would close. I remember in my school, having been raised Roman Catholic, we would all go every day, Monday through Friday, to God's house. Remember Good Friday? Do you remember what a holy, that's holy week. But someone changed it. Someone replaced the time from Easter, and now it's spring break. Do I have to describe to you spring break? Ah. So much deception. And we as Christians have to stand fast. Not angrily, not unkindly, but we have to stand for truth. So in Easter, we have eggs, Easter bunny, chocolate. <laughs> I like the chocolate. Well, aren't you disappointed when you get one of those hollow bunnies? <laughs> Who came up with that hollow bunny thing? But then in Christmas, we have Jack Frost. We have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We have songs about white Christmas. And I saw Santa, mommy kissing Santa Claus. Right? Then we have Santa Claus with his elves. I want to be careful. Does anyone here believe in Santa Claus? Raise your hand if you believe in Santa Claus. All right. Oh, praise God. I see that hand, Craig, yes. I believe it's in the claws. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, can I take just 30 seconds to share with you my testimony? My Uncle Jerry, who kind of looked like Santa Claus, would always dress up as Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, and we 
cousins would all go to sleep. They'd wake us up. Have you ever put a kid asleep at 10 o'clock and wake him up at 12 o'clock and tell them Santa's there? And we'd go down to the cellar. Italians always call their basement cellars. And here would my Uncle Jerry come in. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, we'd be so excited that Santa Claus would come to our home. And I remember one year, I'm walking in the back into the cellar. And there I see the laundry basket. And there in that laundry basket is the Santa suit. And I said to myself, I've been had. <laughs> Now, that's not my sermon. So don't you go out and say, oh, this crazy pastor talks about Santa Claus. But you know what? I'd like to tell you this. And this is true. I was at a nice store here in town. I liked the store. I was shopping, men's shop. And I'm listening to the secular music. And here it talks about Santa. And Christmas is his big scene. It really bothered me. Because this is not sin or sin. We don't live in a fantasy world of unrealities. This is Jesus' big scene. This is his time to proclaim his name and glorify him. And so I know Christmas has been merchandised. I know there's things that are excess. But you know, I know this. Our worship team, you and I, have an opportunity to proclaim his name. And we're going to do it with everything we have to proclaim that Jesus is the reason for the season, that he is the one to be lifted up and exalted. And as I mentioned, he came to that Christ child on December 25th. In all probability, he was born more at the Feast of Tabernacles. We understand that all. I understand that all. But we can honor him. Are you with that? And we can glorify him. And then one other thing, you, you know, you can do what you want. And I'm not against, you know, don't be afraid of me. I'm really a nice guy. Someone told me one time, they said, you have the kindest heart of anyone I've ever met. I said, thanks, mom. And so <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about it is, if you want to tell your kids about Santa, go ahead. They'll wake up. I hope they don't see the Santa suit. But you know what? We told John Gordon from growing up that Jesus is the light of the world. That's why we put lights all over. Yeah. We told him that we give gifts because God gave us the greatest gift, the son. And we never open up our gifts till we read the Christmas story. In fact, you know John Gordon told recently that he came home from kindergarten or first grade, I think it was kindergarten, and he said to us, hey, they're all talking about who this Santa is. Who is he? I said, he's a big fat fake. Anyway, so praise the Lord. Now I will start my sermon. <laughs> I've got two Bibles up here today, so you've got to watch out, right? Hallelujah. I love the Bible. Okay. Okay. I would like you to turn to, uh, with me to uh, Isaiah 42. I thank God for the Old Testament. You know, the New Testament is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. And it shows us God's plan, not only for Israel, but some future plans that maybe even his people were somewhat surprised about. In Isaiah 42, we have information about Jesus. You know, it doesn't only tell in Isaiah about his 
crucifixion. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. It tells also about his ministry and some of the things that would take place in his ministry. I'd just like to read some of it. In verse 1, it says, Behold, my servant, servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Wow. It talks about his gentleness in verse 3. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, shall he, till he brings forth judgment unto the truth. It talks about those that come so hurting, so frail, and God doesn't break them. He restores them. He's gentle with us. Aren't you glad for the gentleness of Jesus? Can you thank him that he's gentle? How about his mercy? Hallelujah. Are you thankful for his mercies that are new every morning? And they fail not. Oh, how good God is. We can worship him safely, folks, because he is who he said he is. And thank God for that. But you know, it tells us that in verse 6, a very wonderful verse, it tells us something that perhaps was maybe surprising to Israel of old. But you know what? Thank God for Israel. I know there's some who study the Old Testament here and appreciates the feasts and the Jewish ceremonies, and I do too. But I'm thankful that God's heart was so big, he couldn't just stand blessing one nation. His heart was too big for that. And so we see in this verse 6, which I want you to read with me, that he included all of us, every nation under heaven, every tribe shall bring our glory into that wonderful kingdom. So read verse 6 with me, will you? Verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people and for a light of the Gentiles. This is speaking to Jesus, who, of course, is his elect. And it tells us here that he had called Jesus to do this work and that he would give Jesus for a covenant of the people which is the Jewish people, and they are included in part of this kingdom and how thankful we ought to be. And there's many finding Jesus, many here. And then it adds this, and for a light of the Gentiles. Wow. And so no matter what tribe, nation you're from, no matter what race you're from, God is your God, and you are called to know his son Jesus and come into this everlasting kingdom. Hallelujah. I wish I would have gotten excited about when I said that, Craig, because that was a mouthful. We have a kingdom, and we have a king in our kingdom, and his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he is seated on the throne this morning, all heaven and earth given unto him. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is of the root of David. He is the offspring of David. He is the fulfillment to the promise of David. There would not fail a man to sit on his throne. That Jesus was Jewish, is Jewish, but thank God his heart was too big just for one nation. He brought you in. He brought us in. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for the kingdom. And we are in that kingdom that Jesus has brought. Look what it says in verse 7 about what he would do in the Gentiles and certainly his people in Israel. Verse 7, to open the eyes, the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoner from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Jesus' ministry was a ministry of setting people free. 
It was a ministry that would open up blind eyes and break the prison, break the bondage. It tells us that he was anointed to preach the gospel. That's in Isaiah 61 and talks about how he would bring liberty and freedom through his message. Folks, let's remember, it's not churchianity, it's Christianity. It's not religion, it's a relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you, Jesus is Savior, you know that. But he also is Deliverer. When you come to him, his spirit is not only a saving spirit, but in that salvation, there's healing. Come on, say amen. In that salvation, there's deliverance. He wants to set us free. In a sense, he wants to break, change, and open up blind eyes. And he wants to set the captive free. And he wants to break those prison doors open and bring us out into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. We have something wonderful in Jesus. It's not just forgiveness. It's a mighty transformation where we're saved. The word saves means to be made whole. I can't live in bondage and darkness and be whole. He didn't come just to forgive me. He toned for my sins so he could get at us right where the problem is. And he met the problem. And I'm going to prove to you that Jesus, the light of the world, has superseded and defeated all darkness. Yes. I'm going to explain to you what light and darkness is. It's not a color. Light is his life. And darkness is the death that has passed on because of our sin. Folks, don't mistake this gospel. Sin brings forth death. But Jesus brings life, freedom, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now I want to get to my text, but I want to just say to you, that's why I think we should be, think, that's why we should be a praising church. Because we are thankful people. Because he's brought us out of bondage. Can you say amen? amen? Because we're not under the shadow of death and darkness. And we're not experiencing these horrors that so many in the world are experiencing. Folks, I'd like to say, you know, at the Chinese retreat I came from, my wife had her speak very, very strongly to them about the need for evangelism. And as she was speaking, I was kind of convicted and thinking, you know, we need to set that before our people. Folks, we are the light of the world. I'm going to end with that. I'm kind of jumping forward. But you are the light of the world because you have his life in you and you have an eternal message that has power. And the word that is in your mouth, that it goes forth, it will bring forth fruit. It will not return void. Folks, we need to speak in this dark age we're living in. We have so many attacks, so many influences of this prince of the power of the world I spoke about. Antichrist influences that are really, really forming and influencing our society. And the church just wait, oh well, I don't want to push anybody. I don't want people to get offended. Folks, they're going to be offended when they stand before Jesus and they knew you had the truth and you didn't care enough to speak the truth. Folks, it might be a time where we'll be persecuted for speaking it. It's coming, but today is a day that it's easy to speak. Let's speak the truth to people. We are the light of the world. I want you to turn to a wonderful verse about Jesus that talks about his being the light and what light is to give and bring. Turn with me to John chapter 8.
John chapter 8, thank God. I'd like you to read with me verse 12, all right? John chapter 8 and verse 12. You ready? Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Isn't that a wonderful verse? I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. So the thing that God was after is eradicating the death that came upon us because the result of sin is death. But the result of faith in Jesus is life and peace in the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, it's not just by believing, but it's by receiving. We are born again of the Spirit. God gives us a new spirit in our hearts. And it says, he that hath the Son hath life. So I was given physical life by my mom and dad, but I was given spiritual life because my Father in heaven loved me and he sent his Son down from heaven to atone for my sin that the veil of the temple would be rent in twain so I could come in and not just know about him, but I could share in his life. And let me tell you something, his life feels good. Ah. Now, my wife, you know, she doesn't know both lies because she was saved at four. <laughs> I wasn't saved at four. Now, I was kind of a good kid, but I had just enough to recognize that there's nothing out there but death and destruction. There's nothing in this world, I'm not talking about family. Family is so precious. There's good things we can enjoy. I'm not against everything. In fact, if you get to know me, if you're willing to take, pay that price, you'll find out that I really am a very fun, aren't I, Lauren? Yes. But I recognize there's things that people are so deceived in and they get into such darkness. Do you know that in our country there is a profusion of building of mosques? There's deception. There's more darkness and satanic worship than ever in our history. There's things that are being introduced and they're not really very far away. They're on your computer. Don't look for them. There's all sorts of things defiling our young generation and robbing them. And they've heard about Christianity, but they've not been too impressed because the church is awfully, does not awful sometimes impact as it should have. And so they're wondering how many know here Jesus has impacted your life? How many know Jesus is the answer? How many know he has power over all the works of the enemy and he eradicates that death? It says, he that believes in me shall not, follows me, shall not walk in darkness. That's that death, that's that heaviness, that's that bondage, that's that remorse, that's that sorrow. And sin, sin brings forth and the enemy loves to see people fall because he knows that we are God's creation and he can't get to God, but he can get at us. And so he robs us from our joy. He robs people from their life. He takes their health away. He takes their future away. And folks, we ought to care like he cared. 
He came down to heaven to make a difference. But he's not coming down from heaven again till he comes again. Now he has sent his spirit in our hearts to do the work of the ministry. And so I want to say to us, he said to his church, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light shine. What is he talking about there? He's talking about your life shining or even more perfectly, his life shining through you. And you know, folks, I have a gift. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. I can tell when a person's a Christian. Can I, Sister Honey? Say it a little louder. Yeah, so I'll walk 10 feet next to a Christian. I remember there was a woman when we were at Florida not too long ago, and uh, I went up to her. I said, you love Jesus. She said, how'd you know? Praise God. I said, it's all over you, sister. It's all over you. Yeah, just recently I told, and people are so blessed to, to tell them, you know, that you know they're a Christian, but there's something different, and I kind of figured it out. I said, Lord, how come I can tell people are Christian? You know why? There's a peace. There's a smile. There's a freedom. The bondage is gone. They know who they are. They have found life. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. How many here have helped a soul come out of death into life? How many are witnessing regularly? How many are caring enough to reach out to your neighborhood? Folks, let's begun, begin to become proactive this Christmas as never before. You don't have to be given the name evangelist. God has called you to go ye out into all the world. You know, we have a motto, we have a, a vision statement, and we have a mission statement. And you know what our mission statement is? His great commission. Go ye out into all the world. That's our job. I know it's not popular. We don't like to hear that. You want to hear something good that will bless you, make you feel good. But God would like to say to you, he wants you to make a difference. Amen. And when you... Dress souls and speak to them and you see the change in their life. What a reward that is. And so let's really all be really involved in being light bearers and spreading the light of Jesus Christ. I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And Luke chapter 2, Luke actually quotes that verse we read from Isaiah, which is a very, very interesting thing. In Luke chapter 2, we have Simeon who comes into the temple, and he was a man of God. And you know, I can't figure this out because sometimes we say, oh, well, the Old Testament people didn't have the Holy Spirit, so I can't really correlate this, explain this perfectly to you. But here's a little story that's a true story. It says this in chapter 2, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a Jewish man. The same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it says, and it was revealed unto him, so God spoke to these people, folks. It was revealed unto him that he should not see death 
before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't it wonderful that these Old Testament saints had God upon them, the Holy Ghost upon them, and God spoke to them, and it says, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. I don't know many Christians today that walk in the Spirit. My minister used to. There'd be things going on at camp that were wrong, and he would walk right into it again and again. We used to be so afraid of doing anything a little on the side because Brother Gardner would walk right into it. And that was true. It was known about him. But this man, Simeon, he walks by the Spirit into the temple. And he took Jesus up in his arms, and he said, Now let thy servant depart according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Oh, what a wonderful thing. How Simeon's heart must have been overjoyed to recognize he was holding the Messiah. God had opened his eyes, told him he would see him. Now he saw him, and he felt like he had fulfilled, and he had seen everything he needed to see. Now, Lord, I can go home. But then look what he says. He begins to prophesy, and he says this about Jesus. It says this. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Verse 32. Read it with me if you have it. All right. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Wow. Isn't it interesting that this first one of these first ones in the Christmas story that have the privilege of seeing Jesus in his infant stage, he declares who he is. Not only is he a savior of Israel, but he is a light to the Gentiles. In my Bible, see, I love a good Bible. If I look in my margin, there it is. It says Isaiah 42, 6. Does it say that on your iPhone? I'm a bad man. It's a great thing to study the word of God, to see who Jesus is. Yes, he's the king of the Jews. Yes, he is the savior. But thank God he's included all of us as Gentiles. So we're going to move on with it. I'm just going to close by looking at John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, it calls Jesus the light. Isn't that interesting? First thing that was created... In Genesis chapter 1 was Jesus said, excuse me, God said, let there be light. And the first thing we have in the New Testament is light coming forth. Look at it says here in verse 4. This is John chapter 1 verse 4. In him was life and the life was that light of men. The light isn't just a shiny countenance. The life in you makes you shine. In fact, my pastor used to say one time, we don't get older, we just get more shiny. Let it be. I don't mean here. I don't mean here. God wants you to shine within with the light of his glorious presence. He wants to live in you, speak through you. He wants to fill you with his fruit of his spirit. They're good. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance, goodness, gentleness, faith. Against such, there is no law. You see, when you live in his life, you walk with him. And you're not under the condemnation. And you're not led by the flesh, but you're led by the spirit. Folks, we need to live in Jesus. Or I should say, we should let his life live in us. How many know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. Let's remember that price. Oh, how God wants to visit his people afresh. 
How he wants to come to the church of Jesus Christ and awaken us that it's not these walls that are blessed. It's not a pulpit we need. We need the light of the world and we need the life of Jesus Christ. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to go into dark places and to bring his word and clarity and to love them. And they don't understand because the world doesn't have love. But all my people, the first fruit is love. Folks, let us be filled with love for the lost, love for the hurting. Our Jesus loved them and we ought to love them. Oh my God, help us. Thank God. Thank God. I want to continue reading in John's gospel. It says this, in him was life and the light was the light of men. Now look what it says in verse 5. And the light shines into darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. So what's being said there really? I think what's being said is light is greater than darkness. The power of God is greater than the deception of the enemy. And the truth will set people free. Hallelujah. I don't know if Ken is here today. Is Ken Delaney here? I want to just remind us again of his testimony. Because it was so outstanding, folks. And you were part of his getting saved. He stood in the back. He was angry. He'd sit back there. Honestly, I always showed kindness to him, but sometimes his face didn't seem like he wanted to be kind. He was kind of. He came because he loved his kids, and you know, that's a good thing. But he admitted he was agnostic. He didn't understand the gospel. And finally, you know the story how he rang our doorbell, and I thought, oh boy, we were kind of a little concerned we thought maybe he was going to be mad at us. And he sat down and he said to me, you know, I sat in your church. You saw me. I said, yeah, we saw you. He said, I looked angry. I said, yeah, you looked angry. He said, but you know, I looked at your people and I saw the joy. I saw that there was something in there. And then I'd read those words on the saw this screen that your singers would sing. And I read them. And I thought to myself, that's exactly what I want. And then his ex-wife is praying for him a half hour. You know the story. And he told me, he said, I really didn't come to the altar. God lifted me up and brought me to the altar. I told you this. My wife had gone to Jane and said, Jane, you're disappointed because you haven't seen your dad saved. But you're going to see him saved soon. Donna didn't know how soon. Five minutes after, God brought him to the altar. And he knelt down. And then his dear daughter came and took his hand. And Kenneth saved, saved, saved. He's wearing a Jesus band he's testifying to everybody in his government job let's pray that he keeps his job he wants more of Jesus he smiles now hallelujah life makes us radiant life makes us whole the life of Jesus sets us free Hallelujah, light of the world, let your light shine that men may see your good works and glorify 
your Father who is in heaven. He was in the world and he's still in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but this is where we come. But as many as received him, gave he power to them to be the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Thank God we have his power. His life is greater than any darkness, anything in this world. Count on his word, count on his life. Then it says about these that believed on him, they were not born of blood nor of the will of the flesh. That's just a natural birth. But they were born by the will of God. Thank God we have his life because we are born again. Not with corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. He is your God. He is life. And that life is greater than all darkness. That's my message. So I thank God for those lights on the tree because they remind me that He is truly a light. He is the light of my life. How about yours? How about we just all reflect? Maybe you want to just thank Him today for His life in you. What He has done already. And I want to remember there's more light, more revelation. Jesus never stops revealing. Thank God. Let's all thank Him. Thank Him for the light of life in your heart.